What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. A Friday edition is here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. No Chris Schmidt today as uh, once again, it's another Friday where he is out on the baseball diamond on some dad duties watching the little guy uh, get it done for Lincoln Southwest freshman summer legion team. Uh, So uh, we wish them good luck. I saw on Twitter uh, that uh, it's going to be the little Schmidt on the mound tonight. So, uh, Schmitty expecting some wild thing action. I, I guess that game might actually uh, be underway already, so I have to reach out uh, to Chris and, uh, and get a mid-game update. But in the meantime, we are joined here on a Friday, as we always are, uh, but a, a special Friday, just as we had last Friday, because Bill Dolman joining us for the entirety of this Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We, we, we couldn't be more excited for that. Bill, uh, a lovely Friday here in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's uh, starting to get a, a little bit overcast, but uh, it was a beautiful sunny day earlier, warm, and uh, can't ask for anything better than that. Uh, is it is it the same for you out in uh, Denverland? I know Chris is called yeah. Donkey Land, but yeah, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had nice uh, snow. We've had rain, and we're supposed to have a nice uh, day today. So it's been good for the uh, for the yard and anybody who wants to get out and play baseball. You know, the the little guy's not so little anymore. Uh, I think Carson's bigger than his dad. And, uh, you know, and you are given a base, but let's face it, he's he's suspended for another Friday. Well, well, well wait, 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 wait. You, you said he's bigger than, are you talking this way or are you talking the other way? Uh, tall. <laughs> he's taller. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a ways to go to, to, to you know, meet him in the width. But uh, still, you still have Schmitty on the intro and not me on a Friday. But, you know, I'm sure you can work on that in production. Well, I, I've said this a few times on this show. The problem is, is our, our saved folder that had all like the, the raw versions of all these intros was deleted long before I was here. So like wh- where we have them in like their entirety is all we have of these intros anymore. So I, I can't go in and like keep the same bed underneath it and go change the voice. I've, I've tried my best. Maybe I need to try a little bit harder and maybe I need uh, an expert opinion on here. Like, like Bill Dolman to figure out how I should do this, but just, for the most just go part, back and just go back in the average Joe sports show archives and bring up the intro when I show up. I don't think we even yeah. have the average Joe's show archive <laughs> Probably anymore. Not. <laughs> it's a long time. I think I think uh, we just cleared out everything pre-COVID, so everything pre-2020 is. Yeah, well, we're going. Yeah, we're going back to 2006, I think. So uh, it's, it's I probably assume, the cloud I would somewhere. assume it's gone, but we we're talking. Everything's in the cloud nowadays. We're talking before the show. Yeah. Like everything's in the cloud. I'm, I'm sure it's saved somewhere, but. Uh, excited to, to have Bill Dolman with us here on a Friday. Uh, we're also live streaming the show, ESPN Lincoln at Twitter, ESPN Lincoln Facebook. For the Twitter page, that is at ESPN Lincoln. And for the Facebook page, that is uh, ESPN Lincoln 101.5 slash 1480 AM. That's where you find us. That's where you find the live stream if you'd like to follow along there. You can also uh, give us a call today at 402-466-3776. That is 402-466-ESPN or 800 825 5865. If you really miss Schmidt, you can send him an email, chris at hailvarsity.com. 
Don't bother Why sending would me you? an email. <laughs> yeah. Why would you? Yeah. I, mean, I, I guess maybe he's having you, – you can check in with him directly for a baseball score if, if that's why you're listening today, if you, if you want to see how, how Carson's doing on the mound. But other than that – Or if you need to find the Jamesons. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can uh, find us, follow us on Twitter, at Bill Dolman for Bill, at Herbal Essences. Uh, for me, Elijah Herbal. We already have a tweet in today from Dan. He says, we're going to get a Friday Night Lights rundown from Bill. And uh, Dan, we're getting there. We, we all know how much Bill Dolman loves the world of recruiting. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. That's why we had Greg Smith on yesterday, actually, Bill, is uh, to keep you from ruining that interview completely by being down <laughs> on recruiting. So, uh, maybe Greg could set me straight, you know? Maybe, <laughs> you know, Greg could get me to... To fall in love with uh, see the light. I do I, I I do follow Greg's work on Hale Varsity and 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 follow along. It's just that I don't uh, I don't follow it near as closely as passionately and uh, I'm not going to insult anybody, but by saying stupidly, so I'm not going to say that. But um, look, Nebraska plays the game, you mm-hmm. know. And if you got to if you got to figure out a way to attract, uh, well, I was going to say a 17 year old kid. You got to figure out these days how to attract a 13 year old to get on the radar mm-hmm. for when they make their decision, their first decision, in you know four years time, and then you got to stay on their radar for when they make their transfer decision in a year or two or three years time. Um, and, so, and with with some programs around the country, you got to stay recruiting them while they're in college. You got to stay in their ear and plant that seed of we got playtime for you over here. And I, I don't want to yeah. throw any names out there, and make any accusations. Don't want Jimbo Fisher doing some press conference about some poor post grad radio host in Lincoln, Nebraska, <laughs> saying that he's uh, mucking about in the transfer portal. That's that's not, I'm not going to open up that can of worms. But you're you're 100 right. So with that in mind. If you want to follow recruiting, don't give Bill Dolman a follow on Twitter. Uh, you should give a follow to <laughs> at Greg Smith HV. He's your guy. Uh, Bill will just uh, be throwing cold water all over your your hype parade all day long. Yeah. Uh, well, seriously, you know, the, you mentioned the Jimbo Fisher thing. Uh, you know, they had what the SEC. It was really their SEC media days. They had, I guess, it was, it was the, the spring meeting, spring so. coaches meeting. Yeah, in I think it's in Destin, as it always is. Beautiful place, and it seems as though. They, that after setting each other on fire, you know, two, three weeks ago, that Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban have now poured cold water on each other. Um, but I, I think more so Fisher than Saban. That whole thing was, it, I, I've always said for the last few months that Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney have an agenda in terms of why they have said the things that they have said about NIL, uh, you know, if you'd gone back 30, 20 some years, it would have been, you know, Tom Osborne, um, Bobby Bowden, um, Barry Sweet, well, Barry probably, <laughs> probably figured out a way to erase the rules. Uh, dare I say Joe Paterno, uh, that they would have been the ones that would have been saying things that would have been seeds for topics of conversation around the politics of college football. And now it's Davo Sweeney and it's and it's Nick Saban, and that was you know back in what February somewhere in, the, in there where they were you know tossing seeds out like I said or throwing grenades 
about NIL and the direction of college football. And then it was the Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban thing back in mid-May. And now at these meetings, it's like, um, I really wasn't talking about Jimbo and this, or I really wasn't, this is really what I said. But then Fisher, who says, I know where all the bones are buried. I know all this and this and this and this. And he thinks he's God. And Fisher's all of a sudden like, I'm going to, I'm moving forward. We're just moving forward now. We're just moving forward now. And he really backtracked and said nothing. And he's just moving on. And I'm thinking, <clears throat> there's a little movie that came out in the early 1970s called The Godfather. I don't know if anybody has heard of it. Maybe it's a hidden gem that I've uncovered. But there's the scene where, is, is it Jerry Waltz? Is that the is that the producer out in Hollywood? And, and the uh, uh, Vito Corleone is doing a favor for Johnny Fontaine. And the famous scene, if you've seen the movie, with the uh, with with the horse head in the bed, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, Waltz gets Johnny Fontaine's career jump started, and and so the the way Jimbo Fisher has backtracked on, I'm not saying anything to anybody about anything that I accuse Nick Saban of doing. Seems to me that Jimbo Fisher is playing the role of Jerry Waltz. Because somebody got to him somewhere and said, you better not say anything else. Oh, you know, that's from the SEC, too. With You look at the seating chart and everything. with the, <laughs> yeah. the, the In the, the quick statement from uh, from the commissioner, like shortly yeah. after all that, where he said, like, this is wrong. Oh, someone in the SEC said, you guys better make up and play nice. This is, this is the SEC. We don't play that down here. I mean, ugh, just nobody, nobody outside of Congress knows less, apparently, than the administrators and coaches in the Southeastern Conference right now. <laughs> I mean, you put anybody in Congress in front of to testify, or Congress, or a committee, or a you know department secretary, or whatever the case might be. Whenever they got to testify, nobody knows anything. I don't recall right those meetings at the SEC were a whole bunch of. You know, I don't know. I I, I don't recall. I haven't thought about that. We really don't have much information on that right now. And that's the way those SEC meetings went uh, outside of closed doors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no matter who knows what was said in the halls of Congress, who knows what was said in the halls of the SEC at the hotels in Destin. But, yeah, nobody knows less right now than any than the people in the SEC because nobody was talking about much uh, after the flare back in May. I eagerly await the, the release of that 30 for 30 in 15 years about what was going on behind <laughs> closed doors. You, you know what's coming. Yeah. That'll be about the time they wrap up the Kansas basketball investigation in, in 2040. <laughs> well, that, that's that's what they'll be advertising when this this 30 for 30 comes out the into the Kansas basketball phenomenon. We knew that was coming up at least once with with Bill Dolman on the show today. Absolutely, yep. Yeah, uh, we'll get more into some uh, nil thoughts a little bit later because Ryan Day said Ohio State needed how much money to pay their players to keep them around. We'll get into that a little bit next hour. We'll also have uh, Steve Mark coming up here in about 10 minutes. Uh, discussing some of the the newcomers in uh, this week's Hail Varsity Mailbag. And uh, coming up next hour, uh, we'll lead off Hour 2 with Jacob Padilla. Got some NBA Finals to talk with him, as well as uh, a tournament high school that he was up in uh, watching today. But uh, the most important news we'll be talking about with Jacob Padilla is a new transfer, excuse me, a new commit uh, to Husker basketball. That is Chase Clemens, the number 36 point guard in the country. That's according to uh, 24-7 Sports. Uh, If you remember... Uh, from Legacy Early College in South Carolina. That is the home of the uh, uh, McGowan's brothers. 
as uh, Chase Clemens, actually a cousin of the McGowans. And there's your Nebraska connection there is uh, Clemens picking Nebraska over the likes of Georgetown, Georgia, Houston, and others. Also had uh, interest uh, from some uh, top schools such as Auburn and uh, others. As uh, the, the quote from Clemens in the Omaha World Herald is uh, my relationship with Hoiberg and the family environment is uh, what the deciding factor was. It was an amazing vibe and it made me feel at home. Also saying he's been talking to the McGowan's brothers every day since receiving his Nebraska offer back in October of 2020. And he must have liked what he saw on the floor from uh, Fred Hoiberg and company, even though most of us Husker fans have not liked what we've seen on the floor. He, he sees reason for optimism as uh, Chase Clemens is in a six foot point guard, number 36 player in the country, or excuse me, number 36 point guard in the country. And you look at that and it doesn't quite strike you as a, a big 10 point guard, six foot, uh, more of a score first type of guy. But uh, Fred Hoiberg and company, obviously seeing something dating back uh almost at two full years here uh, on Chase Clemens. He is next into the boat. We'll get Jacob Badilla's take on Clemens here next hour and what Jacob Badilla sees uh, in him, how he sees Clemens fitting into this Fred Hoiberg system at Nebraska. Uh, Jacob Badilla is the man to talk to there, so we're going to be getting caught up with him here uh, in a little under an hour as that's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. But, Bill, before we get out of here this segment and before we get to Steve Marek, uh, a few more thoughts here on recruiting. I want to get your take specifically on in-state recruiting. This was uh, our big topic on the show yesterday uh, with the 500-mile the radius and, and the way that Nebraska has to recruit these guys differently than they ever have before, and whether that comes down to uh, the social media age, the recent success of Nebraska, just how this staff has tried to connect with in-state guys. Uh, there's a multitude of factors that you, you could point to here, but at the end of the day, the simple matter of fact is Nebraska has to go harder in, in the recruitment of in-state guys than they did, say, 20 years ago. Well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a different era. There's no question about it. You know, back in, in, in the day, um, when you had, you know, I'm going to say the top 25 programs and the top 25 programs had their pick of the best players around the country. And now you've got, you know, everybody has exposure. Everybody's on TV. Uh, people want to play close to, to home. So mom and dad and grandma and grandpa don't have to travel so far. Uh, but, you know, people are uncovering you know, how talented the athletes are in the state of Nebraska. You've got more, you know, like the Warren Academy up in Omaha where Steve Warren is helping to develop, you know, talent uh, earlier and earlier. Uh, and there are others like that around Nebraska, I'm sure, but that's just the one that comes to mind. So, you know, it's just stands to reason that, that more schools are kicking over more rocks and they're kicking over the rocks in Nebraska and seeing the potential and the talent and the work ethic, uh, the culture, the character of a Nebraska kid. Um, be it a you know big city like Omaha or a small town you know out west or uh, you know Fremont Bergen High whatever the case might be, but it's, it's it's the schools are doing their due diligence and finding talent and trying to entice them to to wherever you know the kid might think it's a it's a little sexier at the time you know for the time being. I've said this many times in the past. Back you know when I was growing up and when I was at Nebraska, you could go okay Sean Ridley Larry Station. Sean Ridley, Larry Station, 
Sean, you know, two guys that went to Iowa. You can, Danny Goodwin went to Iowa State. You could, you could really just count on, you know, uh, one Ty, hand Ty the number of athletes that, that that left Nebraska. Now there's more and more just because there are more schools who are finding that there's talent here. But I, I on the other side of it, you know, people always say, well, you can't win in Nebraska because you just can't find players to recruit, and it's just too hard. Well, apparently all these other schools are coming into Nebraska because they think there's talent there to be had, and there is. So which is it? There's no talent here, or there's so much talent that Nebraska can't take it all and other schools are poaching it. It's just part of the recruiting game. Why are, why are, why are kids from Georgia coming to Nebraska? Why are kids from Florida? Why are kids from you know other it's – a, it's a big-time program. And right now you're in an era where high school kids in Nebraska think it's kind of sexy – to say I'm getting recruited by Oklahoma or Louisville or Miami or wherever, Georgia, or Gonzaga in basketball, so I'm going to go there. Okay, you want to go there? That's fine. That's just the way it is. Mm. It's too bad. You're going to miss out when things get really good. But there are going to be those kids like Garrett Nelson, who I have said from day one of the Scott Frost era or whenever they signed the kid, the most important recruit in the, in the Scott Frost era is Garrett Nelson. Not Adrian Martinez. Adrian was nice. Garrett Nelson. I've said it from the beginning, and I still mean it to this day. He is the bedrock that when this program turns around and instead of going three to nine, goes to nine and three, that's the kid that this program, this young man, is built on. He's a Nebraska guy. He's going to entice more Nebraska kids to stay. It's just it's going to be the cycle where they stay, start staying, and this is the place to be. There is Bill Dolman joining us here for a full Friday edition as we get caught up with Steve Mark here after the break. You're listening to Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hail Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Rolling through a Friday here on Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman filling in today for Chris Schmidt, who is out on the baseball diamond watching uh, the little guy uh, pound the strike zone, hopefully, as uh, we'll get an update from Chris on how the games went uh, tomorrow morning. I am sure the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio for our local listeners here on ESPN Lincoln, 7 to 9 a.m. and available in podcast form shortly thereafter. As uh, Bill Dolman and I talking Bill's favorite subject today, uh, recruiting, as uh, well as some other thoughts. We'll get into the NBA Finals uh, here in just a little bit, as well as uh, how much Ryan Day is uh, getting 
or how much he is suggesting he needs to pay his players at Ohio State to keep them around. But before we get to all that, we welcome into the show Steve Mark from Hale Varsity Radio. As uh, Steve, big recruiting weekend, as we were just mentioning here this weekend, Friday Night Lights. And uh, I'll just say, as a 2016 attendee of Friday Night Lights, uh, I think the Huskers missed out on, on a, a big in-state recruit here in Elijah Herbal. So I'm going to pose the question to you, talking recruiting, talking a little bit of in-state recruiting, do you feel like the Huskers missed out on one Steve Mark back in the day? <laughs> no, they did not. Absolutely, they did not. <laughs> I don't think they were uh, interested in a, a six foot three uh, string bean um, at that defensive end playing eight man football. So no, I do. I do not think that they uh, missed out on one Steve Mark. <laughs> hey, that, that's six foot three. That's a good frame to build. They could have just maybe not, not seen the vision. Maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah, um, or yeah, or the athletic talent. Either one. Um, yeah, either one. But uh, yeah, so uh, thanks for having me on, guys. But yeah, I, I think my days are, are well past me, and I am uh, much much rather uh, write about these uh, athletes than um, try to do it myself. Well, I mean, was was football the only sport for you? Were you were you a multi sport guy? Um, no. So I uh, I grew up in a really small town. So you know, you, you got to play all the all the all the um, sports if you if you really wanted. So I played uh, football, basketball, and then I was a high jumper on the track team. Well, Steve Marks with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. As uh, I, Steve, I, I want to dive in uh, to the story that you just put up today as you're going through the the list of newcomers that Nebraska football has added this year, primarily in the transfer portal. And you've reached numbers six through four on your list, which means I, I believe if my math is correct, this is the, the penultimate uh, list of your newcomers. And the three you got listed today, Anthony Grant coming in at number six, uh, Trey Palmer coming in at number five, and then you have Devin Drew coming in at number four. Now, I just want you to take us through your criteria here, how, how you're rating these guys and what's going into your evaluation process as you're listing uh, the most important newcomers for Husker football here in 2022. Yeah. Uh, so when I first uh, started out um, about just kind of thinking about and writing this, writing this thing and, and ranking these, these newcomers, I just wanted to um, kind of, uh, look at them as a whole and, and not really worry about, you know, stats or, or production from their previous spots, but just kind of how they instead fit in with Nebraska's current roster right now. And so um, I, stats didn't really come come into play too much with it. But, you know, when, when I look like uh, a guy like Anthony Grant, you know, he's, you know, everybody's going to look at the junior college production and it was great. It was, it was really great um, coming from New Mexico Military Institute and before that Florida State. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, you know he's going to be in in a competition right now with a, with the running back um, room, along with uh, Jock Yant and Ramir Johnson, and and I'm just kind of curious about you know how how Anthony kind of fits in there because he's really really intriguing. I, I love the 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 five foot eleven, two hundred pound frame that he's working with. He's he's shown a burst. You know he's shown he can he can break tackles. He's got the side to side shiftiness that you always look for in in running backs and. Um, I, I'm kind of curious about what Brian Applewhite, their their running back coach, you know, what kind of rotation he he tries to throw out there. Is he gonna like want a a running back who's gonna get, you know, 10 to 15 carries a game, or is he gonna try to spread spread the ball out to those two other guys who showed really good things last year um, with with Ramir Johnson and and Jacquez Yant, and with Yant is is his off the field um, issues past him as his, as his maturity kind of showed up and, and allowed him to be the best running back that he can be. I guess we're going to find out by all, by all accounts, it seems like that has happened. Um, he's cut down on, 
uh, cut down on the diet, um, the bad food that he's that he uh, said he was eating a lot last year. So, um, yeah, Anthony Grant um, was is a really interesting one, and I think he's going to get a heck of a shot, and he's going to get a great opportunity to be a member of that running back rotation. Um, and then, yeah, Trey Palmer. How can he not like Trey Palmer's confidence, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if you guys remember his uh, press conference the first time he showed up in front of the press. Uh, the press uh, this past spring, he was very, very confident. Um, and, you know, just looking at his production at LSU and, and kind of uh, watching his games where, where he had some action, um, he's, he's got that speed. He's got the burst. He's got the playmaking ability. And I just think, you know, if he's coming in here, especially with Mark Whipple as, a, as his offensive coordinator who has a history of uh, kind of picking out and identifying his most dangerous athlete on the offense and then feeding that athlete the ball, I think Trey Palmer is absolutely uh, an option to be that guy. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that, you know, he's a, he's a really, really good athlete who can do, do some things as a, as a specialist in the return game too. Um, so I think Trey Palmer is, you know, absolutely a top five newcomer to the team. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just Devin Drew with – when I was thinking about Devin Drew, I, I think about just the need of the interior defensive line. Um, just they needed more bodies there, experienced bodies. And Devin Drew absolutely provides both of those things. With, you know, spending the past two seasons at Texas Tech, um, he played a lot of snaps for the Red Raiders, and he, and he played a really tough um, position uh, defensive end in that three-front defense that the Red Raiders play over there. You know, I don't think he was really meant um, – I don't think he was – his job was to kind of sack the quarterback and get after there um, instead of just kind of like, you know, take on double teams, eat up space and a lot of the guys behind him to, to make plays. And I think that's exactly, you know, the kind of, the, the kind of thing and the kind of teamwork that uh, Nebraska probably liked about Devin Drew. And, and before that, obviously he was a Iowa Western community college guy. Um, it doesn't really hurt to get, to get those former Reavers into the program at Nebraska. And maybe that will, hopefully start a pipeline there you think because they have they have a lot of um great talent over there iowa western um, carry on winfrey was a, another oklahoma Sooners, um defensive lineman who got drafted pretty highly and he was a iowa western um player before going to oklahoma and tearing it up so uh yeah it was just really really fun to do those things and i think you know anthony grant is going to be a really really good part of this um running back rotation and, and trey palmer as well as the receiving crew as, as well as special teams, and then Devin Drew just playing a really, really important position with the interior def- defensive line. He brings a veteran kind of leadership, tough-nosed player. He's played a lot of a lot of snaps. He's durable, and I just think that those three guys are really going to possibly make an impact this year. Steve, I'm, I'm stunned at the amount of roster uh, interest that there is after spring football. <laughs> and when I look at all the transfers and everything that's gone on, it, it, I, I still think that the, the unit that has improved most because of the transfers or has gotten the better of it is Nebraska's linebacking core because of Drew and because of Wynn. And coming out of spring ball, that linebacking core looked like it was going to get beat up because Nebraska had nothing along the defensive front, and then they get the two transfers coming in. Then you've got Mathis as well. And all of a sudden, the linebacking core is not going to get beat up and take all the punches that it looked like it was going to be taking, along with some of the other guys that were on the defensive line. So it's just remarkable. I cannot think of another team. Now, granted, the transfer portal is still relatively new, but I cannot think of a team ever in covering sports for as long as I have that has gotten better in such a dead period as Nebraska has gotten after spring football. 
Well, Bill, I think you're absolutely right. That's a that's a great point by you, and and, and one that I failed to mention when I was talking about Devin Drew is, you know, the the, the benefactors of those two additions with Stephon Wynn Jr. and Devin Drew, and even like you said with Oshawn Mathis and and uh, Ty Robinson and then Garrett Nelson. I know those aren't transfer portal additions, but still, with with those guys coming back in that defensive line, um, that that's got to be music to uh, Luke Reimer and Nick Hendricks' ears because if you if you get if you get defensive linemen who are good at their jobs at, at taking up blocks, commanding double teams from offensive linemen, all that does is help out Luke and Nick behind them to do what they do best. And we saw what, what they can do when they have good, a good defensive lineman in front of them last year, which is see ball, hit ball, right? I mean, that, that just creates – if you have a good defensive line in front of you and your linebackers – um, you're going to have alleys, open grass to go make plays. And I, I think that, you know, the work that Nebraska has done, like you mentioned, Bill, with those transfer additions, those veteran transfer additions, I, I just think it, it really helps out those two linebackers to have yet another really good solid, uh, really good solid season and rack up the, the tackles. They almost had um, to get, uh, together almost 200 last year. So, um, tackle. So I, I, I yeah, I, I think you're completely, you're completely right. No, no, a lot of, a lot of teams have done, work in the transfer portal, but Nebraska, especially at their D-line with what they've got um, coming in with Stephon Wynn Jr. and, and Devin Drew, um, yeah, absolutely. It's going to help out Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich. Steve Marks with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Steve, last thought before we let you go, I'm pretty sure you're a Cubbies guy, are you not? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately right now, yeah. yeah I was going to say, look, looking at Chicago baseball, the White Sox look pretty bad right now, and the Cubs don't look much better, so... Just, I mean, it's, it's, it's just punch after punch for you with covering the Husker baseball team in a, in a down year, and now <laughs> you get into the Cubs and the White Sox. Like, how tired of baseball are you as we're just entering the month of June? Well, here's the thing. I, I, I uh, came into my Cubs fandom when during, like, the Starling Castro years uh, when I was, like, a, a young high schooler. Mm-hmm. So I, I have endured some really bad uh, Chicago Cubs seasons. So this is nothing new for me right now. It's almost like a – like I had my World Series, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm almost like, hey, any anything else on top of that? If you can get just have a little bit more success after that, like I'm fine. Like I already got my uh, World World Series under my belt um, for the for the fandom side of things. So, um, you know, it's it's nothing new. We got a nice little three three game win streak going on here, and you know, it's always good to to beat the Cardinals. Um, just an awful organization, the St. Louis Cardinals are. So yeah, it's it's just a. You know, any 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 little success that comes up, I'm I'm happy with. But you know, all the losing, you know, it's it's nothing new. I've I've been here for for a while, and you know, Stalin Castro used to be my favorite kid growing up. So I've I've endured plenty of losses with the Chicago Cubs. But at the end of the day, it's uh, you know, I'm not just gonna quit quit liking them because they're losing. That's that's not that's not what a good fan does. So well, go Steve, Cubbies. Before you know it, a hundred years years will pass, and you guys will win another one. So. That's all that matters. <laughs> and, and, and whenever that happens, I'll be glad if I'm in the ground or not. So I, I'm good with it. <laughs> Steve, appreciate the time today. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Elijah. Calling all soccer fans. Union Omaha is back home after an unbelievable showing in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup round of 16. An upset over Minnesota United? That's our team. So join them when they come home May 28th for Educational Outreach Night. Presented by Bellevue University. The Owls will face Northern Colorado Hailstorm FC. And after a couple of road matches, will come back on June 18th to face Greenville Triumph SC. It's 
it's also Pride Night. We'll see you there. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman in today on a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. No shortage of topics to talk about here on a Friday as Nebraska has secured a commitment from Chase Clemens, point guard from down in South Carolina, number 36 point guard in the country. Also a cousins uh, of the McGowan's brothers and uh, saying that played a big role in his commitment, especially the uh, development staff and what he saw uh, Bryce McGowan's doing one year at Nebraska. And we've talked about it a few times on this show. Usually you expect a guy like Bryce McGowan's a true freshman to come in and make some strides during a freshman year and hit a wall. And you never saw that from Bryce. So he is off to the NBA draft looking to be a first round pick and uh, with a good pre-draft process, maybe work his way up around the lottery. Also, Trey McGowan's headed off to the draft. So no family members on the team for Chase Clemens, but he will be here uh, on the team come the 2023-2024 season as he enters his senior season. We'll get Jacob Padilla's thoughts on that coming up here to lead off hour two in about 15 minutes, uh, maybe 20. So excited to hear from Jacob Padilla. We just heard from Steve Mark as uh, he is counting down the Huskers' most impactful transfers for 2023. 22 and uh, we'll get to some NBA finals here in just a second but Bill not just a, uh, a a big news day in the world of sports you also got a new Post Malone album which uh, I know just looking at you right now I know you're a big Post Malone fan you got that I personally have been uh, trying to catch up with Stranger Things as uh, I was up way too late last night after the finals in the NHL playoffs watching Stranger Things and it's one of those things where you check the clock and I go oh my god it's 1am what am I doing uh, so <laughs> I've been trying to catch up on Stranger Things. You got Obi-Wan, the new show. Just really, I mean, for a time of year, early June, where we in the the college football media especially kind of scratch your head and go, well, what are we going to talk about until August? I mean, no shortage of things to talk about today. Well, again, thank you for Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban giving us something mm-hmm. to talk about post-spring ball. And now the, the, the transfer portal and the Friday Night Lights and all these transfer stuff and recruiting, it, it, it really never does stop. So... Uh, there is that, but you know, I was interested in 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 listening to Steve, and, and I don't know if I missed something. I didn't, don't think I did. Whatever happened to Gabe Irvin? I know he had a knee injury, but that should be. Did he leave? Is he still around? Nobody's talking about the guy who was the starting tailback in Nebraska, running back at Nebraska, I back at Nebraska last year, as a freshman, right? Mm-hmm. Still around, right? Well, I think I think the question becomes: Was Gabe Irvin the starter because of his talent, or was he starter because of a lack of talent in the running back room? Because Ramir Johnson was a guy who was buried on the depth chart to start the year, and he worked his I way know. up as the year went on. So, I I think there's a question out there of when you watch Gabe Irvin. I mean, now coming off a knee injury, really didn't get to get into his freshman year all that much. You you wonder what kind of strides can be made in year two whenever. You've already seen the strides that Ramir Johnson made last year, and you saw a guy in Anthony Grant that really popped during the spring, and especially during the spring game. But I'm just saying, we get all excited about all this recruiting news, and two years ago, it was we got this great running back out of Georgia, and he comes in, and he's a, he's the starter as a true freshman. Okay, how good was Nebraska's room? I don't know, but we were all excited about Savion Morrison, right? I mean, it, we got this great running back out of Oklahoma that uh, Spencer Tillman says is the best that he's ever seen in the state of Oklahoma. Now he's at Kansas. And Gabe Irvin starts at Nebraska, 
has a knee injury. Hate to see that happen. And as an old-school Nebraska guy, Gabe Urban, number 22, reminded me of an old number 22, Doug DeBose. Mm. And and I thought, this guy's going to really grow into his role. I thought he was really good, but he got hurt. So that opens the door for Ramir Johnson. We thought uh, Jacques Yant was going to be the guy, but he had some uh, diet, uh, uh, undisciplined problems with his diet and maybe some other things. I don't know all of that, but he was not in great shape. But we're all excited about Yant. We were all excited about him in the spring game a year ago because he looked like Fred Flintstone running through Princeton Rock in that cartoon <laughs> back in the 1960s, just as man among, you know, junior hires. But Gabe Urban might still be pretty good, but nobody's talking about him. It's it's We're excited about the new shiny toy. And, yes, Anthony Grant might be great, and he might be the guy. He might be a 30 carries per, guy, uh, per game guy, but so could Yant. So could Ramir Johnson. And, again, we've just kind of forgotten that Gabe Urban was the starting running back last year before he got hurt. Well, there's... So we get excited about the shiny toys that we get to play with, and we forget about the old reliable G.I. Joe over here. Well, there's Bill Dolman with his patented cold water on the recruiting and the transfer <laughs> portal. He's known for it. You love him for it. Bill coming with the heat here on a Friday. As uh, I Personally, I really like what I saw. I, I just – I personally just think there's going to be more competition in the running back room. I like what I saw from Anthony Grant. Liked what I saw from Amir Johnson last year. If Jacquez Yant can make the strides that we'd expect him uh, to to make with that frame, I think he's very talented. And I'm not forgetting about Gabe Irvin here. It's just with a significant knee injury like that, he's back burner. Nobody talks about him anymore. That's that you know. Two years ago, when we talked about recruiting, I asked you before the show who was Nebraska's main target in 2021. Uh, I, was that Omar Manning? It might have been. I don't remember. That was a year before. Okay, year before. We, all, we get all excited about whoever signs in December or, or February, and then we forget about them because we're so excited. You know, we, we're so interested in who's going to sign and be a player that might contribute two years away from the class that we just signed. Mm. And then we forget about who we just signed. And that, to me, it just – that's the problem with the, with, with the recruiting these days. We get so enamored with now who's in the class of 2024. You know, people have forgotten about Will Watson already. Mm. We're so excited about Will Watson, you know, committing to Nebraska and Mark Whipple, that Mark Whipple's got his guy. Then the Gretna kid, you know, all of a sudden gets some headlines. It's like, oh, we got to get that guy. Well, we got to get Dylan Raiola. We don't have the money to get Dylan Raiola. <laughs> you know? Be happy with who signs, hope they develop, and hope they become contributors. I love Omar Manning. Not so much because has he put up the numbers that everybody thought he was going to put up? Probably not. But I love Omar Manning for how he has developed as a human being representing the University of Nebraska and talking about the difference that the University of Nebraska and the people of Nebraska have made in his life and how he now wants to contribute. Now, is that Pollyanna? Yes. But I look at Omar Manning as a as a young man now going, man, I'm glad he's a Husker. I don't care if he has 10 catches in a game or 10 catches in the season. But that guy right now is a great representative of what the University of Nebraska athletic department can do for you to grow you into a mature, responsible human being. At least that's what the impression I get from him now. And so I'm, that's why I'm really glad that he's a Husker the way he represents Nebraska. 
I hope he has a great season. I hope he catches 10 balls a game. I hope Gabe Irvin averages 150 yards a game. I hope Anthony uh, Grant averages 150 yards a game. I hope Ramir Johnson averages 150 yards a game. And then we average 450 yards per game on the ground. That's what I hope next year. How many points would that, that equate to, you think? That, that 90? That like we 90? did back in the 90s. <laughs> 55 points a game. When we had nine guys on the offense in 1997 who were Nebraska guys who ran the ball down the throat of every team we played and kicked one and beat Tennessee by running the ball 21 times out of 22 plays in the third quarter, kicked their ass and took the national championship and stuck Michigan with that wooden piece of AP crap. Good memories there. We'll, we'll wrap up hour one after this. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Wrapping up hour one here on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal sitting in uh, virtually alongside Bill Doman. Bill checking in uh, from the beautiful city of Denver, Colorado, as uh, last night the Colorado Avalanche protecting the home ice, getting a win over the Edmonton Oilers. We'll get into that here in just a second. Uh, we also have Connor Clark sitting here in front of me, waiting in the wings. Uh, you hear him on Salt Dogs broadcast. You hear him here on Hale Varsity Radio. You really hear him everywhere. As uh, Connor Clark is uh, here a little early, going to be producing the Salt Dogs baseball tonight. He's also going to be joining us here in hour two as well as we need to get the Salt Dogs baseball report from Connor Clark. As we're now, uh, I have to look at him here and say 16 games into the season. That sounds about right. So uh, Salt Dogs a little over, I guess what that's easy. It was 100 games. They're 16% of the way through the season. So the Salt Dogs, uh, yeah, yeah, Bill, you, you don't have to. That, that was bad math. That was that, I was a journalism. No, major, I think it was good math. math I mean, if you're 16 games in and 100 game season, 16 percent. That's good math. Took me way too long to get there, though. As uh, that's that's why I really did not get anywhere past. Let's see. Would that have been pre-calculus in high school? As soon as I, I didn't have to take math classes anymore, I stopped all that. I wasn't bad at it. I just didn't like it. So uh, that was uh, your example of my math skills for the show today. Appreciate that. I'm sure that'll be coming back to bite me here eventually. But before we get out of here this hour, uh, a fun night of playoff action last night, both in the NBA and in the NHL. Uh, at least fun for me in the NHLs. The Avs getting a commanding 4 nothing win over the Edmonton Oilers. They go up two games to none. And, and Bill, it's strange. I don't think... Uh, at least a lot of people my age and, and people around here understand that in Denver especially, it's not the basketball team like it is in most cities that, that, that runs the news. It's the hockey team. It's the, the Colorado Avalanche are Denver's team during the wintertime, and people will follow the Nuggets if they're good, but they'd much rather the, the Avalanche be good. Oh, without, without question. And, but then the Avs take a back page if the Broncos do anything mm. um, or if Russell Wilson buys another $25 million house uh, in Cherry Creek. You know, uh, but yeah, th- this is not a this is not a Nuggets town. This is not a University of Colorado town. This, Definitely not. <laughs> th- 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 this is not um, this is nothing but a Broncos town and the Abs in the winter. But you know, a couple years ago when the Abs were pretty bad, people really didn't even notice how bad they were. But they've had a TV dispute out here for the last three years with uh, Comcast Cable Xfinity uh, doesn't carry you know Altitude Sports Network. So people are so transitional, you know, moving from transient from other other cities that even even to that extent, it's not enough to get their, you know, their local television network on the major cable company. But if it was a Broncos channel, 
Yeah, but yeah, you're right. The, the abs are big, and Nathan McKinnon and all those guys that have been around for a while, have, Joe Sackett, should, they've they've endeared themselves to the community, and they're off to a two and zero start. And then it looks like they're going to head to the, uh, the to the Stanley Cup final. I'm not sure that they have the team that can beat the the best in the East, but they certainly are fast and fun to watch. Maybe we knock on wood there. Crossing my fingers, the Avs are going to do it. As uh, the, the big winner from the TV dispute's been Stream East. If you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. Uh, but Stream East has been the big winner there. Also, big winner last night, the Boston Celtics coming back from down 10-plus points going into the fourth quarter. They get a huge win in game one. And if you're keeping track, that's three straight stake-in-a-beer victories for Elijah over one Chris Schmidt. So I have to make him pay up here soon as I got it. I got it last night. Picked the Celtics. I'm happy with that. We'll get caught up with Jacob Bedilla here after the break. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Calling all Storm Chasers fans. May 31st through June 5th, the Indianapolis Indians are in town for the first time this year at Warner Park. As an Omaha newbie, I attended my first Storm Chasers game earlier this season. And man, I'm telling you, they know how to do it right. The perfect family atmosphere with high quality baseball. I mean, you're watching future pros here in Omaha. What an awesome experience. And that's what it's all about. Join the Storm Chasers June 4th for Runza Night. Runza will be sold inside the stadium. Plus, you'll get to see your favorite players wearing some specialty uniforms. If that's not enough to sell you, you can even snag yourself one of these jerseys signed. I might add, after the game when they're auctioned off. It's all for a good cause benefiting the food bank for the Heartland. We'll see you there. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery as it's Elijah Herbal and Bill Dolman uh, taking you through, filling in for Schmidting, a special guest here this hour, Hale Varsity's own Connor Clark with us for the Hour 2 as well as he's been doing work for the Salt Dogs this summer. We're going to get a Salt Dogs report from Connor coming up here a little bit later this hour. But before we get to all of that, uh, we got to talk some Husker basketball. I shouldn't say got to. We get to talk some Husker basketball as some great news today. Chase Clemens out of Legacy Early College in South Carolina committing to the Huskers. We'll get into Chase here in just a second with Jacob. But Jacob, first, I need to get your reaction to last night's NBA Finals Game 1. I thought the Celtics were down and out. Uh, I was over at uh, Sportscasters. That's a free shout-out. They don't pay me in any way. I was just there, the neighborhood spot. At the end of the third quarter, I go, well, I'm not sure. After that run by the Warriors, I think this one might be over. And I head home, and I turn on the TV, and it's a tie game. I go, what the hell is going on? So, Jacob, I need to get your report just to, to fill me in. What happened last night to the Warriors? How did the Celtics get that done? Well, I think the Celtics hit, like, every three they took but two in the fourth quarter, something like that, like 7-9 or 9-11 of 11 or something like that in the, the fourth quarter. So that's certainly one way uh, to, to get it done, to, to pull off a comeback, is just to, to rain fire from three. Um, and they certainly did that. And they also picked it up on defense. It was like 40-13 to 13 or something the, the fourth quarter was. So it was really impressive from Boston because usually Golden State, they're pretty good about burying teams in the third quarter uh, and making sure they've got that thing wrapped up by the time you get to the fourth. And Boston, uh, they kind of weathered the storm. Uh, they weathered it early on when Steph Curry was 
rain and fire, uh, and they were able to score enough to keep up. And then uh, in the fourth quarter, they, they took over and locked down the Warriors. And um, I think there's some outlier things on both sides in that game. We'll have to see how both teams react. Uh, I don't think you're going to get combined 47 points from Derek White and Al Horford hmm. for the Celtics in every single game. But I think Jason Tatum also isn't going to shoot three for 17 or whatever he was in every game. So um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what adjustments are made in game two, uh, what the Warriors uh, learn from that game and their inability to close that one out. But I'm, I think this series has a chance to be pretty special. And it's one that we deserve after what we've seen from the playoffs so far. Well, Jacob, you being a Suns fan, me being a Nuggets fan, we got to see plenty of those third quarter runs from the Warriors this postseason. As soon as I saw that, I thought this thing was done. And Celtics showed a lot of moxie, showed a lot of heart. They, they stiffened up on defense, as you said, and they found a way to get it done. But my only question is, moving forward, is that going to be uh, – a game plan for the Celtics, or do they just catch lightning in a bottle for a quarter? And I guess that's what we're going to have to determine here uh, as we progress through the NBA Finals. But I'm with you. I mean, after watching game one, I think this is i mean, six or seven games minimum, in my opinion. Both these teams look like uh, they could win the, the championship this year. And after game one, I don't have any further of an inkling of who's going to win it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that was a pretty big deal for Boston to pull that one off because uh, the Golden State – under Steve Kerr, they've been phenomenal in game game one's uh, series, and obviously it's in Golden State. So now right off the bat, you, know, you kind of got that belief. You, you put that bit of uh, doubt in Golden State's mind, um, and now you got to come back uh, in game two, and the Warriors' pressure is on them to really come out and uh, fix whatever uh, allowed Boston to, to steal one in game one um, because the, the, the Celtics have been very, very good on the road in the postseason thus far. Jacob Bedell is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Jacob, let's move into the Husker news of the day as Chase Clemens announced his commitment to uh, the Nebraska basketball team earlier today, uh, choosing Nebraska over the likes of Georgia, Houston, Georgetown, a, a number of, of offers for Chase Clemens. But the Huskers got in early October of 2020. They made an offer, and the family connection helped, too, with, with his relationship with the McGowan's brothers, them being cousins. I, I just want to get your your instant reaction as uh, this is – News came down, I think, four or five hours ago now. Your instant reaction and how Chase Clemens could fit into this Husker basketball team whenever he does finally make it to campus. Yeah, um, he's, like you said, first 2023 commit, a point guard who uh, is very close with with the McGowan's. He's from South Carolina, and he kind of followed in Bryce's footsteps and transferred to Legacy Early College this year uh, for his junior year. Um, And kind of a three-star player, he's, uh, kind of viewed differently depending on the service you look at, but uh, it's a good piece to get started anytime you can land a point guard. And that's a position that they've really struggled with. Um, they haven't, they've done some of the transfers. They've done kind of unorthodox uh, like styles of point guards. He is kind of more of a traditional, uh, smaller, only six foot, one listed at 165 pounds. So uh, not a lot of size to him, but he's quick. He can shoot the ball. He can pass the ball. So much more of the kind of traditional style of, of point guard than we've seen Fred Horberg recruit and, and land to this point. Um, so it's and it's something they needed. They needed a guy that they can bring in and develop and be a long-term uh, piece in, in that backcourt. And I think that's what they're hoping that Clemens can be. And like you said, the the connections with the, the McGowan's 
uh, brothers that played a big part in this recruitment, and it's why it really is important, like, for your program to uh, that, I mean, for players to peer recruit and give these players a good experience so that they do go tell their friends, tell their relatives, tell guys they're tight with that you, you could be recruiting down the line, hey, I had a good experience here, you're going to like this uh, if you check it out. And that seems to be the case here. Like you said, they're recruiting for a long time. He visited back in October. Um, and now he, he's pulled the trigger and is kind of getting Nebraska's 2023 class started. It's kind of surprising that, uh, to me, that, that he made the decision that he made. I'm glad he, you know, he decided to come to Nebraska, but Houston was in on him from, I believe, his freshman year of high school. He had a really good, he says he had a really good relationship with Kelvin Sampson for a long time. Houston is a program that is not just on the rise, but is, that has um, arrived. And uh, for him to decide to go to Nebraska with the McGowan's brothers, n- no longer going to be in the program. And it's my understanding that I don't think they're related by blood. I think they're related by proximity and he calls them family. Um, yeah. You know, the other thing about it too is he- he's originally from Atlanta. So you're getting that Southeastern recruit, you know, a big, you know, I guess he's a big name recruit from, from the Southeast region, but also from the Atlanta area so prior to going to south carolina that's where he grew up so that's another tie to a very important place and for fred oiberg to put some you know recruiting seeds down not just in south carolina but atlanta i think that's that's pretty significant and the fact that he's six foot and 165 that's pretty lean shall we say for big 10 basketball but maybe that means he might be around a little while to grow in to becoming a player who can, you know, be around for maybe at least two years in this transitory era of college sports that we're in right now. So he might be more than just a one and done like Bryce was. And Bryce has NBA talent. I'm not sure Bryce is going to be an NBA guy right away. He's going to, he's probably going to get drafted, but he could have used another year to get bigger. And maybe this kid, if he can get up to, you know, six foot one eighty five or something like that, That'll be that'll make him a pretty solid point guard in the Big Ten in, in maybe two years. Yeah, and, and like I said, that's kind of I think what the idea here is. It's Fred's tried the kind of the quick fix, go get transfer. You tried the Delano Banton as kind of an orthodox an orthodox point guard, also a transfer. You got Alonzo Virgin here as a senior. Now you got Sam Griso as kind of taking on that role this year as another six six kind of bigger, uh, but one in, uh, but one year uh, player. So. Clemens is a guy that you can get into the program, that you can develop, that you can work with over the course of a few years, and he can hopefully grow into uh, a guy that can be a multi-year uh, rotation impact player for you. Jacob Dill is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and Jacob, we saw that Trey McGowan ends up leaving the program. He's going to go pro. Who do you expect to, I don't want to say replace him, but fill those shoes, especially defensively? Yeah, I, I think that's kind of why they recruited uh, Emmanuel Bandemel from SMU. He's just kind of more of a 3-and-D type of guy uh, as opposed to a little bit more of an on-ball guy like, like Trey is. Uh, but I, I think that's kind of – you went and saw them land that commitment kind of late on in the process after they kind of – I think they were targeting more Bryce-type replacements with guys like Baylor Shireman and Antonio Reeves. And when they weren't able to land those guys, they kind of – shifted gears and uh, Bantamel is a guy that shows some interest and 
they they made a push for him and got the commitment. So now you're looking at uh, got, uh, some seniors there to kind of bridge the gap with, with Greasel, with Bandamel, um, uh, and then you'll have kind of some of the younger guys growing up. Uh, Ramel Lloyd Jr. is uh, the kind of the, the the top guy in this recruiting class. Coming as he's more of the kind of a combo six six can play multiple positions for you. Uh, and it's a guy that can come in and learn from a, a guy like Sam Griesel. Um, I, I think Sam will be really good for a, a guy like Ramel to kind of to learn from, to, to be that kind of multi-positional guard that can make plays and also play off the ball. Um, so that, that's kind of the mix that they've got coming in here. Vandemel's uh, grad transfer along with uh, Griesel as kind of the, that senior backcourt to uh, allow the, the freshmen that they've got coming in and some of the other young guys to – um, kind of learn and grow as the program moves forward. Jacob Adil is with us here. And, and Jacob, let's shift gears. Bill, do you have one? I was going to yeah, shift gears. I'm, just real quick. How many new guys are they going to have on that roster next year? I've got like eight <laughs> or nine written down right now. Yeah, well, so kind of the returning core is Derek Walker coming back. You've got Wilhelm Breidenbach hopefully getting healthy, coming off the injury. Uh, and C.J. Wiltshire, um was their sixth man last year. Uh, he'll probably slide into a, a more featured role. And, and those are kind of the main guys. You've got Casey Tominaga still hanging around the program that, that played a bit from last year. And then you've got uh, Oleg Koyanets and Karan McPherson, both redshirted last year. So th- that's kind of the group of returning players. And then they're filling in <laughs> like everything five. else with new guys. Um, <laughs> you, you got the Blaze Keita, Juco, and then uh, the, the two transfers and then the rest are all freshmen. They got three guys and one of one of their freshmen enrolled mid-year last year, Denim Dawson. So he's been on campus. He, w- he was there for the second half of the season and going through the strength and conditioning practices and all that. So he's he's already got a bit of a head start there. It's just it's just crazy. And I'm, I'm going to go back in time just real quick here. When Barry Collier was Nebraska's head basketball coach. And Jim Woolridge was the head coach at, at Kansas State. Those two guys, I believe, came at the same time. And the and what happened to both of them, both quality coaches, but they got screwed by an NCAA rule at the time. It was the 8-5 rule. You could sign no more than eight guys in two years and no more than five in one. So when Nebraska <laughs> goes through all this transition from one coaching staff to another and had players leave, they could not give out more than five scholarships in one year and no more than eight in two. Can you imagine what, what it would be like uh, in this era of college basketball for Fred Hoiberg or anybody not named Bill yeah. Self to go around that eight, five rule. <laughs> it would be, yeah. it was impossible for Barry Collier, but that I just am amazed that when you've got like nine new guys in one year and that's just the norm to think what it was like for them both of those coaches back in that era just was it was just a stupid rule by the NCAA back in the day. Well, and we've seen kind of football go that way too, where they're getting rid of the the twenty five yeah. limit to, to kind right. of adjust to the new uh, era with easier transferring. Jacob, before we get you out of here, about two minutes left. Uh, this morning, you were up at the Millard North Hoop Fest, uh, checking out some high school hoops action, and I know you're you're on the pulse there. And with, with only two minutes, I guess the, the question I'll pose to you is, with the dominance we've seen from Bellevue West and Millard North over the past couple of years, based on what you've been seeing so far this, this spring and summer, is there any reason to believe that that is going to change moving forward? I mean, three straight state title games featuring Bellevue West and Millard North. 
Yeah, uh, I, I do think they're coming back to the pack a little bit. Um, some of the, the players they've had in the program the last few years, it's been special. Um, I, I don't think that we're going to see them reach quite that same level, but they'll, they'll definitely be in the mix as well. I just think you look at the, the state coming up here, and I mean, Miller North, they beat Westside uh, after getting uh, kind of run off the forward by Scott. So it's just kind of up and down. I don't think you've got the, the, the kind of reliable upperclassmen. You don't have a Jason Green. Uh, Bellevue West, they have Josiah Dotzler back. Uh, but beyond him, it's a lot of young guys, a lot of new guys that haven't played a ton. Like they were, they were good rotation players last year, and now they're stepping up and they're going to have to be kind of their main guys outside of Dotzler. So um, I, I do think the, you'll, see, you'll hear those names plenty uh, as we go through uh, the season. But I don't know that it's going to be, oh, yeah, it's these two clearly above the rest. I think it'll be kind of more even playing field in Class A this year. Just while we're talking high school hoops, any names to, to monitor as we move through the summer and fall of, of guys that could be on Nebraska's radar in the high school hoop scene? Yeah, probably not at this stage. It's still too early for the young guys. And the 2023 class isn't really um, shaping up to uh, produce multiple high major players. I know Nebraska's looked at Josiah Dotzer. They've looked at Jake Brack for Omos Scott, who played really well today. Um, Skyhots are going to be a monster in Class B again next year. But um, like those are kind of some of the main guys in terms of that are looking to attract Division One offers. Dotzer has a few. Uh, Brack, uh, nothing quite yet, but um, he, he's hoping to, uh, a good summer will help pr- uh, propel him forward there. Um, but yeah, at this point, I, I don't know that there's anybody. We'll see kind of that 2024, 25 class as those classes kind of uh, grow uh, and develop. We'll see if any of them kind of match up physically to the the Big Ten level, but probably not uh, more short term. There is basketball extraordinaire Jacob Bedilla talking Husker hoops, talking high school hoops. He's got his finger on the pulse. As I said, Jacob, appreciate the time today. You have yourself a lovely weekend. All right. Same to you guys. Hellbarsity Radio continues after the break. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal joined by special guest Bill Dolman, our second Friday show where we get a full two hours of the pride of Fairbury and time just flying by already down to our final half hour here with Bill Dolman. We're going to appreciate every single minute of it. You don't get this very often, so this is a special, special time. Also joined by, uh, I guess we can't, we already have uh, Danny Burke as the pride of Chicago, so I'm not sure Connor can be the pride of Chicago, but do, do you have a, a more specific, like like a suburb? Pride of Northern Chicago pride, suburbs? Pride I don't North- know. <laughs> well, whatever you want to take, I guess, whatever route you want to take. Uh, let's see. For now, the pride of UNL for right now. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> anyway, Connor Clark is with us here. As what was that, Bill? What's a, what's a northern? What's a northern suburb of Chicago? Lake Bluff. 
specifically. That's mine, at least. Wow. The like pride Blush. of Lake Blush. That sounds too bougie. That sounds way too, oh, like, you wouldn't be upper totally class wrong. community. <laughs> <laughs> well, Connor Clark joining us here for the uh, second hour of Hail Varsity Radio today. We'll talk some salt dogs with him coming up in the 540 segment. So looking forward to that. The salt dogs off to a hot start, and they're uh, looking to rebound this weekend after uh, their first series loss of the season, but still sitting on uh, at 11 and... 11 and six, six on the season. So 17 games in, 17% of the way through the season. As uh, we'll <laughs> get into the Salt Dogs here in just a second. Before we get to that, though, this big recruiting weekend for Nebraska already paying some dividends. Uh, this is uh, a guy that is not here in town this weekend, but you wonder if it's going to bring some momentum uh, to the party to this Friday Night Lights camp as well as a big weekend of official visitors as Nebraska with a new commitment coming courtesy of Jaden Doss, three-star receiver from the Kansas City metro area as uh, this is already the combination of Bill Bush and Mickey Joseph, the two newest recruiters to the party. Their contributions paying off here as they were the two lead recruiters here for Jaden Doss. Jaden Doss standing six feet tall, 195 pounds, uh, choosing Nebraska over the likes of Kansas State, Colorado, Illinois, Iowa State, and more. Uh, recently received an offer from Oregon as well back in April, and an officer, or excuse me, an offer from Minnesota just a few months ago. So Nebraska doing some work in the Kansas City metro area, I believe. That's still in that 500 mile radius. So all you uh, no talent around Nebraska people. This is for you, Jaden Doss, three-star <laughs> receiver, uh, coming to the party. I'm sure we'll uh, get Greg Smith's take on this coming up here on a Monday as Greg Smith going to be reacting to this big recruiting weekend. We'll get his take on Jaden Doss and what Jaden Doss can do in this offense. But just based on highlight films, measurables, and all that, really seems like he fits that mold of of Trey Palmer and Elante Brown, that slot guy who's going to be an athlete where you're just trying to get the ball into his hands and have him do some, some crossing routes. That uh, it, It's a position that you heard a lot about when Scott Frost was coming to Nebraska and and recently less so, but that quote unquote duck R position, unsure if it's going to be utilized in the Mark Whipple offense. We heard so much about it at Oregon and UCF and then coming in here, Wandale is going to be the duck R position. Well, recently been hearing less about it, but if there's any role that you'd think Jaden Doss is going to fit into at Nebraska, it's going to be that duck R position. So we're going to, uh, not get Bill Doman's take on this because I'm sure he's going to splash cold water on it and talk about the receivers that are currently. Well, in the what's, room. A, what's a duck R? You know, is it the wing back? Is that a slot receiver? Let's just call it what it is so we don't sound like we're being smarter than we really are. You know, we're going to, well, we got to get that guy at the duck R position. Well, that's uh, why I said it, it's the position that's you got been a known slot as receiver. the duck R. You, you, got, you got a guy who can play the wing back spot like Donnie Westbrook and Kenny Brown. I don't know. He's just a, he's a receiver. I think. If Mickey wants him at this point, I think we all just trust. If Mickey wants him and Mickey likes him, then go get what Mickey wants. That's kind of what recruiting seems to be right now. Get all of Mickey's guys. <laughs> we'll get him the ball and figure out, you know, how we're going to get 450 yards on the ground. So um, that's that's what it seems to be right now. Bill Bush and Mickey are doing apparently great things, and that's awesome. Getting a guy to Kansas City, reasonably close. You, you, know, you establish those recruiting ties in the area again. Uh, it, it's 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 all a win, if you ask me. But what the hell is a duck R? You know, let's. It's a, he's a receiver. He's a slot receiver. He's a wide out. He's a big receiver. He's a tight end. It, this is these positions are getting like why why baseball is hard to watch these days. You know, baseball used to be average home runs RBI. 
and now or wins, losses, strikeouts, ERA. And now it's the whip and the war and the uh, spin rate and the trajectory and the uh, exit velocity. And you're like, I don't understand these sports anymore. Just he's a receiver. He's six foot, sure hands, good speed. All right, go Big Red. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the family. I like it. It's it's realistic. I like it. it. There's nothing wrong with that take you just heard from Bill Dolman. That's why we love having him on. That's uh, Elijah Herbal, Bill Dolman, and Connor. Yeah, Clark. Seriously though, can, can, what's what's the duck R? Just because Scott Frost calls it a duck R, okay. But 99.9 percent of the people who are football fans in this football savvy state of Nebraska, just tell them it's a he's a slot receiver or he's a speedy guy that we can use in versatile ways. Great. But otherwise, people are starting to say things that they don't quite understand. Same thing in baseball. Same thing in basketball with pace and point efficiency. It's like, who won the game? I don't know, but they had more pace. <laughs> the guy's a better war guy. <laughs> His exit velocity is great, but he's only got three home runs. I, I, I don't understand sports anymore. Just tell me. He's a receiver. Great. I know what that is. We're going to throw him the ball. He's going to catch it, and he's going to run a long way faster than the other guys. I'm good. All right, there he is, Bill Dolman. Bill, uh, as we're talking about the changing world of sports and college football, let's head out to Columbus, Ohio, where uh, Ohio State coach Ryan Day uh, spoke to – According to a report from Cleveland.com, about 100 members of the Columbus business community, and he put a number on how much they would have to generate every single year in order to keep the uh, Ohio State players that they like around. And that number has been set at $13 million every single year is what Ryan Day is asking for that the business leaders of Columbus to generate uh, for these players, which would come out to $150,000 for each man on an 85-man roster. But more accurately, this is probably coming out to $400,000, $500,000 for the 25, 30 most important players on the team, which it's, 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 it's just... It's the professionalization of college football. That's what we talked about last week with that story with Lane Kiffin in Sports Illustrated, where it's the, the, the game is almost becoming unrecognizable, where Ryan Day knows you need $13 million every single year, or these guys are going to go to the transfer portal and find them someone that is going to pay them that money. Okay. So he sets the mark at $13 million. He also said quarterbacks are two, and offensive tackles and rush edge guys are $1 million, right? But... Everybody, I'm sitting there listening to Ryan Day say, you need to step up. I'm going, coach, you make $9 million a year. How about you hire a couple of these guys to mow your yard? Why don't you have the Ryan Day landscaping business so your or your wife? How about setting it up on the side? Your wife has the Ryan Day or whatever her name is, Mrs. Day, and maybe you pay some of these guys out of your pocket. All right. Now, look, I know whoever was in this this room; those are the big guys in Columbus, Ohio, who are all probably have thirteen million dollars in their wallet, right? But if, I, if I'm trying to be a, a, an Ohio State booster and I'm thinking, you're coming to me telling me I got to pay, help pay these guys, 
I'm, I'm just trying to pay for gas to get to my sandwich shop, right? <laughs> uh, you know, people are coming in quite as frequently as they were four years ago or two years ago. So let's ease up on, on, on what you're telling me. I got to help you pay a kid who may not be here a year, like the guy from Texas who was there a year, took his million bucks and goes back to Texas to make more money, where in a year he's probably going to have to go against the, the Manning kid who may sign with Texas. But I'm thinking, okay, you've set, the, you've set it now, and, I, and that's almost like Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban, and now Ryan Day is getting into this conversation that's going to set the conversation for the coming days, weeks, months, and years. This is what it's going to cost. That's a shout-out to – or shot, I shouldn't say, not a shout – a shot out to, let's say, Kyle Whittingham at Utah. Or, you know, the guy who just took over at Washington State. Or, you know, the, the guys down at um, Vanderbilt or Pittsburgh. You want to play with the big boys. All right? This is what it's going to cost us. Are you guys going to challenge us? So Kyle Whittingham's out there going, $13 million in Salt Lake City, Utah. I can't go to the church. BYU can afford it, but what do I do? Uh, you know, I, to me, this was not just talking to those guys in the room, mm. just like Nick Saban wasn't just talking to the guys at the Birmingham, Alabama fan club. This is a shout-out to all of college football. But it's also, if I'm their basketball coach, if I'm their volleyball coach, wrestling coach, Olympics, all this Olympic sport coaches, I'm like – 13 million to keep your 85 man roster together. What about me? What about Olympic sports? What about men's college basketball? I mean, that, that we are really going into some really weird territory with, with fans and how much they're willing to pay with NIL, with booster money, with, are they going to build buildings, continue to do that? Well, it and, sounds, it sounds, and, and how like... much control do these singular own, or should I say owner, these boosters have over the one or two players mm. that they're NILing? I mean, that's a really shady relationship if you get right down to it. And I don't mean shady in the way that, you know, they're paying the money to do whatever, but business owners have money on players well but the, the, I, I from a from a donor's perspective it's better to be playing paying the player who could be coming in and winning you a national championship than paying the buyout for a coach who's going to turn around and use that money to buy himself a beach house in florida I, that's i agree with that i don't disagree at all but man it is weird, weird. right now where weird. that money is going to go and who's going to get it and then they're talking about internships educational opportunities why if the guy's not going to be around more than a year or two what incentive does he have to, to get good grades, I, you know? And why, why, why do they have to, who's to say what they have to do? Why can't they just put their name and likeness on a billboard and pay me $5 million or $2 million? Who's to say that they have to do work? Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman with us here, along with Connor Clark and Elijah Herbal, a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yeah!
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Going through a Friday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, and Bill Dolman filling in for Schmitty today as he's out on the baseball diamond awaiting a report on how the starting pitching performance went for the little guy. So uh, we will uh, get a report for you on that one as soon as we know, most likely on the Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Tomorrow morning, 7 to 9 here locally on ESPN Lincoln. And then for our listeners across the state, we'll be available uh, to you in podcast form, wherever you like to get your podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, uh, Hail Varsity YouTube page. You can also find individual segments on the ESPN Lincoln uh, website. That's ESPNLincoln.com. Before we get out of here this hour, we do have open phone lines for you for the next 15 minutes or so. 402-466-3776. That's 402-466-ESPN, 800 825 Five eight six five. If you'd rather get connected with us on Twitter, give us a find, give us a follow, send a tweet to us at Herbal Essences. That's for me, uh, Elijah Herbal at Bill Dolman for Bill Dolman, and then for Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore twenty seven. That's where you find us three on Twitter. It's a great way to get connected with us. Before we get uh, to talking some Salt Dogs baseball, who's going to be on the air here in a uh, little under. 20 minutes Uh, a quick reminder that nearly 70 percent of people in fatal crashes in nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. if used properly a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury in a crash by up to 60 percent your best defense in any crash buckle up a message brought to you by the nebraska department of transportation highway safety office and before we get out of here this hour we have Three people sitting here on this show. Uh, Bill Dolman, former voice of the Lincoln Salt Dogs. Connor Clark, you hear him in the booth now for the Lincoln Salt Dogs, along with Michael Dixon and then myself. You hear me here in the studio as a studio host. All three of us with some connections to the Lincoln Salt Dogs. We love our Lincoln Salt Dogs. I particularly love Thirsty Thursdays at the ballpark, Tallboy Tuesdays, Wiener Wednesdays, really all of them. Uh, never a bad night to get to Haymarket Park and check out the Salt Dogs. And we got a man in here sitting with us in Connor Clark, seen every single home game so far this year he knows the roster in and out and i want to get the report of the salt dogs so far this season 11 and 6 great start to the season but they've cooled off in a big way just getting swept by the kansas city monarchs their first series loss of the year now looking to rebound so just what what's the report on the lincoln salt dogs 17 percent of the way through the season yeah i mean they did start very very well it was their best start since 2006. I was four years old when that happened, so just to kind of give you a little bit of a timetable there. I was but, seven. I remember that season. Yeah. 16-3 and three start in 2006, but an 11-3 and three start this year, as you I just alluded 40. to. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'll, I'll say what I remember from that season is I believe 
that was the season, was it 2006, 2007, where they went and won the American Association? 2009. 2009, okay. I was way off. Then. I know, because I know in 2009, I had friends in elementary school, and one that was even the uh, the honorary bat boy for the uh, the championship game. Mm. They're always going out. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. They got to go. go sit in the dugout and be bat boys, and they had a lucky bat boy who traveled with them, was in my class in elementary school, and he headed off and uh, was a, a part of the American Association championship game, and I guess that's where my, my love for the Salt Dogs began, so... Well, yeah, and you mentioned the the sort of cool-off so far. I mean, they, they went down to Kansas City. They played a really good Kansas City team who has just been red-hot offensively, red-hot. They went five games in a row scoring above 10 runs. They scored nine in the series finale, so they've scored at least nine runs in their last six games. And that was just a team that hits a ton of home runs. We saw not the greatest start out of Kyle Kinman, which is rare to see. He got roughed up pretty quickly. Same with Garrett Delano. He didn't have a great start either, but that's credit to the Kansas City offense that they have going this year. I mean, they hit 147 home runs a season ago in 100 games, so that's almost a home run and a half a game. So they're hitting a ton of them. So that's a really good Kansas City team. They're currently second in the West Division, which Lincoln is in third now. They're heading up to Winnipeg. Uh, for a three-game set this weekend, which will begin at 6.30. As Elijah mentioned, pregame show will start here in about 15 minutes or so. But they're playing a Winnipeg team. They swept them last weekend at home, which was the first sweep of the season. That was series win number five of the season as well. They took a couple of come-from-behind wins, some gutsy comebacks in the eighth inning and on. But uh, they, they came away with a sweep there, and they look to do the same here this weekend. And that's going to be good stuff. I don't believe i remember the salt dogs having a series in canada since i started working for the salt dogs i'm not sure what the what the history behind that is and bill i don't even think whenever you were the voice of the salt dogs was there even a team in canada oh yeah winnipeg winnipeg Winnipeg. was still there oh yeah that was our uh second road trip was up to winnipeg and that's of course when we got stuck at the border for four hours because a couple guys had indiscretions on their uh legal resumes but no winnipeg um was really other than Toronto was uh, was the best baseball franchise in Canada. Um, they had great success there, and they, they have a great operation. They've got a nice ballpark in downtown Winnipeg, which uh, smelled a lot like cigarette smoke. But nevertheless, it was <laughs> a great place to go once you got there, and it had a very much a you know a very a big league feel. It, it, Winnipeg reminded me back when we were doing games in the early two thousands, the first years. Uh, of doing games with the Omaha Royals back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s when I was doing stuff with uh, the AAA franchise. That's very much how they operate. It, and, and you know, they've had great announcers there. Their, their announcer, Steve Schuster, was one of my interns with the Salt Dogs. He's been there a long time, and they had a great announcer, Paul Edmonds, uh, when, when we first started doing Salt Dog games, who's the voice of the Winnipeg Jets. So they've had great tradition, great players there. Um, and it, despite the fact it took 13 or 16 hours to get there the first time we went there, it was always a treat to go to Winnipeg because they just treated you so well. Connor, I'll pose this question to you. As the season moves on here, uh, I'm not talking in the next week or two, but as the season moves on, do you think there's any guys on the Salt Dogs roster that uh, there might be fears that a, a big league ball club could could come and swoop them up? I mean, we, we were just 
hearing the story uh, a couple days ago from the Royals of a, a pitcher they had who was playing uh, similarly unaffiliated baseball after being cut, and he's brought back up now making his major league uh, debut just a few nights ago. And, I mean, there's been guys from the American Association. Tyler Matzik uh, helped win the Braves win a World Series. He was locked down in the eighth inning just about every single World Series win they had. I mean, even going way back, Max Scherzer was in the American Association at one point. Are there any guys on this Salt Dogs roster now that you think – maybe if they continue to to have a season that they've started out with that, that they could be scooped up before the end of the year well what i've been hearing we may not see buddy bauman for too much longer on this roster there's been a couple of scouts that are interested i don't know what teams but that's just what i've heard um especially after the 15 strikeout performance he had last yep. weekend which was a franchise record in a single game for for strikeouts so that's a name that sticks out um i mean obviously you have the guys that are kind of studs on this roster no matter what. I mean, I, mean, yeah. I think of Altman. If, yeah, if, he, I was just if, if he gets hot, has a year like he had last year, I don't see him staying in the American Association much Yeah, longer. I mean, Josh, he started very well. He's kind of cooled off in the last three or four games, but he still provides a lot offensively. Um, Kyle Kinman is a name that I, I don't know if he'll end up getting picked up, but obviously he's one of the, the better starters in this rotation. Um, but when it comes to getting picked up by, say, a minor league organization, those are the names that come to mind. But, I mean, you still have a ton of guys on this roster, too, who contribute in their own ways. You have Justin Bird, you have Wellington Dotel, you have Skylar Weber, all these guys. Jared DeSarcina, who bats in the nine hole a lot, he's very good at turning that lineup over, also very good defensively. So, just a very good roster, top to bottom. We got Salt Dogs baseball coming your way for our local listeners tonight following the conclusion of this show, which is uh, wrapping up here in about 10 minutes. Got one segment left to go before we wrap it up, though. That's coming up after the break. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio one last time here on a Friday, it is Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbel, Connor Clark, and Bill Dolman, who is giving me a, a you got something you want to you want to add here, Bill? Well, you're talking about the Salt Dogs and, and guys going up to the to the to the big leagues. I think, and Connor, you can go back in time. I, I know that we beat Luke Hochaver in Fort Worth in I think 2006, maybe. Hochaver went on to play uh, to pitch for the uh, the Kansas City Royals, and then I think, I think, we beat Max Scherzer in two thousand six yes. or seven. Yes, you're correct. Because I'm remember, not sure if that was game was in Lincoln that. or I think they uh, both of those guys pitched for Fort Worth. They kind of guys that were I think both are Scott Boris guys. Mm-hmm. And they they didn't come to an agreement after the draft or whatever, which like the the dude from Vanderbilt didn't you know didn't come to terms come with the, rocker the as well, yeah, right. So he's going to indie indie ball this year, um, but I, but Hochaver and I think Scherzer were both Boris guys. They couldn't come to an agreement, so they put him in Fort Worth, 
because it's a metropolitan yep. area. So they weren't in Sioux City, love Sioux City. Um, so they were in kind of a big market and got to work out and do all that. And uh, Ho Chaver got beat by Lindsey Galeen down in Fort Worth on like a 140 degree day. Galeen looked exactly like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, about 6'2 and about 160 pounds. And, and we beat Ho Chaver. And I think Scherzer might have pitched in for Fort Worth and it might have pitched in Lincoln, but I don't remember that. But I think we beat both those guys. If I remember correctly, and Michael and I were talking about this the other day, because he was showing me he has a picture of the old scorebook, but they did play, and they, I mean, Lincoln played against Max Scherzer, and they did beat him. I believe it was in Fort Worth, but it was, I may be wrong on this, but I think it was like a 6-5 to five final, and Scherzer went like six innings, gave up two runs, and like so three did, hits. So didn't take the loss? No. See, that would that, be a much cooler story if you can sit back and tell your kids, yeah, when I was playing for the Lincoln Salt Dogs back in 06, we gave future Cy Young winner Max Scherzer a loss on the ledger. Uh, well, he I, still I, didn't I, come I, out on top. Yeah, I think we won. But I know we, I know that Lindsey Galeen outpitched Luke Hochaver, who was like the number one pick of the Royals and was the Max Scherzer of that draft. And and we beat him down in Fort Worth in, uh, in a pitcher's duel. So sometimes you run across those big league prospects or big league guys who find themselves in – independent ball and you have a pretty good night against them but uh that you, you, yeah that was pretty cool yeah Hochaver ended up spending I believe eight years in Kansas City and uh still some great players in the American Association years past they're still playing in the uh the the majors now and I feel like that's a, a an aspect of American Association ball unaffiliated ball that a lot of people out here don't know about is I mean the quality of baseball that's on display from the Lincoln Salt Dogs every single night is on par with what you'd get from a double a team and some of these good teams uh could probably get some triple a teams running for their money as well a lot a lot of good teams the american association with, association with quality baseball players but connor you see this night in and night out now it, it depends on pitching you can get a really good you know one or two starters on a, mm-hmm. on a on a american association staff and you've got a double a caliber game but then you can get the three of us on a staff you know, <laughs> and and you've got, you know, something that looks like independent ball, what people think it is. It, think that it would really look like AAA, right? No, we, we'd, we'd look like the Houston Apollos of last season. Come on. <laughs> yeah, right. Some credit. But it, it does. There, you know, Bobby Madridge pitched for Winnipeg those first couple of years of the Saw Dogs, and he went on to pitch in the major leagues for a, a little while, and, and he was just, uh, just different, you know, a different guy too, but – uh, you know, his, his fastball just sounded different. And, um, and he was, he was good. He was why well, I think they won the league that those first couple of years of the salt dogs. But, uh, but yeah, you, if you get a good pitcher, uh, you can have a double a quality game, you know, every, every couple times a week. Well, that'll and, do it for us here on a Friday. Bill, sorry to cut you off. We are up against a break here. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Schmitty will be back for the Saturday morning edition, 7 to 9, available shortly suspension. after. Back from suspension. Uh, we're just suspending him on Fridays from here on out this summer. So <laughs> we'll talk to you again in the morning, 7 to 9. That's so we'll talk to you again. Have a lovely evening. And Salt Dogs Baseball coming up next year locally on ESPN Lincoln. A Huda Media Production.